0: Welcome back to these fucking teenagers these podcast fucking teenagers, these fucking teenagers, these fucking these fucking,
1: fucking fu- teenagers, these fucking teenagers. Know, fucking the fucking assholes, the assholes on overthinking it.com. You know, with whom we, we deigned to share a website, right? Uh, insisted that we remove the word fucking from the homepage.
0: I know. I mean, so we, we decided to say the word fucking about ten times. I mean, so we, we have to, like, move all of the fucking in, into the interior of the podcast. So this is, a, a, <laughs> a you know, a magic fuck dome <laughs> <laughs> within, um, within the otherwise uh, work-friendly uh, environment.
1: Well, right. Of, it's because uh, you're, of are at work right now as we record this.
0: I am always at work, man. I'm I'm grinding. I'm like, uh, you know— <laughs> Uh, like, you know, and last, last episode, uh, season two of the wire, the Greek uh, is asked as he's leaving the country, uh, the Greek is asked uh, if he's traveling business or pleasure and the Greek says business, always business. Um, right. and that's, in my line of work, that's how it is. Um, and I'm, I am Ryan Shealy, uh, and I'm here, uh, as always with, with Matthew Rather, uh, Hello. uh We're coming in from the opposite coast of the United States, uh, and I bet my weather's probably not too much worse than yours here in Cambridge. We are—it is a unseasonable uh, mid-sixties and sunny uh, up here in the not-so-frigid north. Uh, So you know, Al Gore can suck it because this is awesome. Wow!
1: Uh, uh, It's—it's amazingly. Mid sixties and sunny here at this time uh, at nine o'clock in uh, Los Angeles as we record
0: uh, this. See, see uh, uh, global warming has a leveling effect. Uh, it's so what a, a, what a, what a
1: what a mistake it was. Oh wait, no, I just checked the weather right now outside. It's supposed to be fifty-five.
0: So it is warmer. It is currently right now uh, on December December third. It is nicer outside in Cambridge than in uh, uh, than in Los Angeles. So mark that one down. So uh, so we're back. We're back on the podcast. You know we've been off for a few weeks, uh, taking a few weeks of hiatus. Um, but we are back, and we're back with a vengeance. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna lead off with Glee because uh, you know for about the last month of the podcast or so um, we haven't focused too much on Glee, partially because they were on a two to three week hiatus during the World Series. Um, and then the two immediate po- uh, post World Series episodes were not their strongest. Um, but in the last two weeks, uh, I, in my opinion, uh, Glee uh, has, has come back with, with a vengeance. Um, oh, that, it,
1: Abso- absolutely. I, you know, it's, Gossip it's, Girl it's, had a similar dynamic this season, and it, it came back a little, a little sooner, I think the last three or yes. four. I mean, from yes. OM3 yes. on, I think. Yes, Actually, yes. the whole yep. Hillary Duff arc I yeah, think. I agree. Has I think not, that that was it. Yeah. It
0: was when they were working out the the last kind of uh, – the last little pieces of the um – uh, of the of the like Ill- illegitimate brother pot plot line, you know that kind of like as they were spewing out that afterbirth, as it were, uh, it, it really wasn't that great of a show to watch. But as they picked up the kind of Hillary Duff uh, and then kind of you know the threesome plot lines and the um, um the plot line uh, the political plot line, the plot line about Trip Vanderbilt uh, and and the emerging uh, the blossoming affair between he, he and uh, him and Serena, um, it's really picked up. But we're gonna bracket that for our latter half. And let's you know, let's get into Glee. Um, yeah. well, and both shows and
1: I'm glad to get back to Glee because it really is. Like you say, both shows are really in top form, but but Glee was excellent and we both saw Glee last night. So Yeah,
0: I was I was gonna say, like, you know, this isn't a review podcast, this isn't a review site, but I mean Glee was, you know, one of the that last night's episode of Glee was one of like the Top hours of television that I've seen, you know, this year. You know, I think up there with the Mad Men season finale of just hitting, hitting all of the right, you know, uh, spots. Um, the pacing of the, you know, the songs, uh, you know, the mix of the songs and the dr- drama. I mean, like just the sort of scene right in the the heart of the episode where the uh, the Glee Club's uh, Van Halen number, the jump number on the mattresses, is juxtaposed with the tense confrontation between um uh between Will and Terry right. um it it was just it was powerful and it and, and it and it showed me that these guys these these the, these writers of the show are anything but lazy writers um, <laughs> we're and, not and, and, and
1: that. Let, oh, oh, I'm let's not, not even get into it
0: no like, no i am gonna get into it i'm gonna i mean
1: i'm not, have a podcast if every week we feel like we have to uh we have to you know fend off the criticism blinky no no i'm not show. fending off
0: I'm, I'm i'm using i'm using the criticism uh to 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 show how right we were uh all along um <laughs> so
1: <laughs> Those um, guys um, are overthinking it are assholes yeah, man. This podcast is, is not safe for work, by the way. And it's also, uh, it's also spoilerific. So, you know, hey, Will finds out Terry's not pregnant. But, uh,
0: yep, but Omar, continuing, Omar, continuing. And Omar dies. He kills Omar. Uh, right? I mean, he is so dist- distraught about the fake. Yeah, pregnancy. he turns
1: into a small black child and kills Omar.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, this show is just really like. Actually, it's, Mercedes, it's real-
1: <laughs> Mercedes is from Baltimore. Actually, and she's moved to the Midwest, right? She's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's in a witness protection program. Right, exactly. Exactly. She's, uh, she was, she was well, snitching. a little girl who. Uh... Anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah,
0: anyway. no. Every every television show should have a crossover uh, with uh, with the wire. Should have a kind of a uh, meta cra- uh, meta casting with with the wire. Not meta casting, but like a meta reference. Oh,
1: okay. I'm sorry. I, I, I we'll bracket that. Bracket. Sit on it. I know what you got. No, no, no. We'll, it's we'll it's see. short. There's no. I mean, there's there's but, Nothing to say. But it's about gossip, girl. Okay, oh, you're right. We're ta- and we're talking about Glee. Okay, fair enough. Okay, see leadership. That that I just exhibited leadership right there. Uh. <laughs> yeah, way to keep me on topic because <laughs> it is not my strong suit. I know, just, you know,
0: note it down in the Google Wave and we'll, and, and we'll get back to
1: it. This is the first podcast where we are uh, keeping tra- where we kept track of our, our observations in a Google Wave. Uh, as Ryan put it, uh, late in the wave, as I was editing something he was typing, as he was typing it, he said, uh, Google Wave, new ways to be a pedantic douche. And that is me. Well, I am your pedantic douche.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think we both are. I mean, we, we wouldn't be doing this if, we, if that, <laughs> so that weren't how we uh, yeah. uh, role, um, but I think that you know I was skeptical about Google Wave uh, because you know we've we've been trying it out in the kind of as various uh, sort of overthinking the back channels, and I don't think it's worked. In that, I mean, it has not revolutionized my communication and collaboration. Uh, but I think that this, you know, we usually outline in a just a, a, an IM chat, right? right. Um, uh, usually right before the show, but um, you know, instead, Matt started this. Uh, actually, this Google Wave started uh, when I I was. Was like sort of really complaining about google wave Uh on the overthinking it Wave and and matt sort of waved Me to say uh hey ryan Uh have your communications and uh, Collaboration been uh revolutionized Uh and then this all then all That kind of was edited to be Uh these these fucking teenagers episode Eight wave uh and we outlined Uh our stuff and i actually feel Good about it but i don't feel good about the fact That i uh got an invitation To uh google wave before i got an invitation To to the waffles um, because it means that I'm officially old and square, and not like sh- uh, sharing uh, lossless files of. Oh, of, hey! Of, of have the, you heard of, of the Lala? New, of the,
1: did you ask uh, Did you ask Lee for an invitation to Lala? Lala's stupid. Um, Groove Shark oh. is way better. Groove Shark um, is better than Lala.
0: I think so. It has the same range, and you don't pay for anything, so um, right. that's like easy. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. Glee, you know. Uh, so let's let's get to Glee. Let's get back to other other ways to obtain free music. Uh, are are watching, <laughs> watching musical television shows?
1: <laughs> um, that's in the uh, uh, that's in the drinking game. That's like you know, dr- drink when a when a tortured but somehow strangely apropos segue comes up.
0: I don't think we have no. See, we teenagers aren't allowed to legally drink. Um, that's that's wrong, and so uh, (laughs) there shouldn't be. (laughs) Let's bracket that.
1: Let's bracket, let's bracket that
0: for a discussion that's, that's, later that's, that's in
1: the that's episode. Called,
0: that's called foreshadowing. That's that's a that's a real uh, um, uh, a real a real Chekhov's lawnmower, if you will. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, so so let's get back into Glee. So here, the reason I was bringing up the uh, the lazy writing thing is uh, so for those of you who are are just tuning into our podcast, uh, the first five episodes or so were basically. Largely about uh, a, a sort of in, you know inside baseball, inside overthinking it debate about whether or not Glee is a good show, and be, specifically about whether the writing in Glee is of high quality. And the sort of con, the argument that it was is not, was that um, there was you know plot points would be uh, brought up uh, and dropped uh, sort of at whim, and that that they would be kind of used instrumentally to like make a, a point within one episode and then be forgotten about. Um, and so that it, it created a kind of disorienting world. that was hard to know, you know, there were not clear cues, and it just felt like the the, the writers were were just not putting in the effort to build the architecture of a of a great show. Um, and and that was an uh, opinion espoused mostly by uh, by, by Matt Bolinky, one of our co-writers on Overthinking It. And you know, I think the the thing that the the uh, the counter argument, in which I think Blinky actually more or less ceded to, uh, was that you know that the that Glee was internally consistent. That it has set up you know the the sort of deviations from continuity were within uh, that were at least internally consistent. That they the show does offer signals about which plot points are important, and which ones aren't, um, and then that that there is a kind of a certain kind of universe of of, of reality that. Um, that, that these are the, the, That the plotting is consistent with And I, I want to return to that because I think The last few episodes uh, have um, You know indicated Or shown us a little bit about what Some of the rules of that universe are And, right. and, and yeah, I think and that
1: a, and have, have In a way given, given Look I would say that Glee is a show about consistency And I think that you would put it <laughs> in a slightly different way Than I would My way of putting it from the world of literary studies Would be that Glee is a farce It's not a satire it's a farce right and that like it's it's not concerned with a with a cogent critique of any particular thing it's concerned with it's it's a kind of you know it's a kind of uh narrative um it's a kind of narrative uh utilitarianism right it's kind of it's a kind of narrative consequentialism that doesn't look beyond like the immediate uh, episode or even the immediate act, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, I think you would put it in a slightly different way, and I think that 's what you 're getting to so i 'll let you yeah I'll let you get well let me just
0: ask you a quick question about uh, farces like what what are the main like if you had to distill it down in, in a nutshell, what are the main kind of stylistic um, like components of a farce as opposed to other forms of uh, of, of uh, other dramatic forms
1: well um, so it 's the uh it's it's a, a question of like juxtaposition, or it's a, it's a question of the um, the the, uh, uh, the what the kind of extravagance or the, the um, variety of the of the narrative. Right, mm-hmm. so things, you know, I mean, the classic three door French farce is like, uh, or actually, Shakespeare, you know, has a lot of farcical elements with people uh, disguised as other people, men being women, women being mm-hmm. men, and there's a real slippage of identities. There's a slippage of morality. Uh, there's a slippage of meanings. You know, what does
0: does w- would you w- would you put like the importance of being earnest in in there? Um... Or is that a different kind of form yes it, no i it... think
1: I think I would, but it's so um uh, actually, i don't know, I think it has farcical elements because there's this element kind of of disguise and because it's so outrageous, outrageous that's the word i was i was um I was but okay but uh uh importance of being earnest is a coaching critique of a mm-hmm. social system, you know sure and and I mean the critique is. It, in a lot of ways the critique is that the social system is ridiculous right it doesn't it's not like it it proposes viable alternatives but, but I- uh, but I wonder if there's something more
0: about the. I mean, again, I don't know if this is you know something that I think about when I think of of um, the importance of being earnest, and maybe some other like plays that I identify as being farcical, things like um, oh, I don't know, like rumors or noises off, um, like and yeah, maybe yeah, the, not, rumors.
1: Actually, rumors is a very good example set in a sort of quasi-realistic world, right?
0: Right, 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 right. But I think that for me, like what. Like ties those kinds of uh, plays together is this kind of right? Th- th- this types of ironic situations that come about due to incomplete information, right? That, that there's a lot of they, sure. they play off sure. of traumatic irony and really uh, and, and for for comedic effect, right? And that they use this tension to basically as like a kind of like a, a springboard to they wind it tighter and tighter and tighter and then they let it go, right? And so right, so like act one is building up these kinds of who knows what and who doesn't know what. And and then, and then they kind of like let it out of the gate in you know as as it proceeds. I mean, is that I mean, I, again, I yeah, not and a, actually, like, I well,
1: and it, actually, Ernest is a fantastic, uh, right? Ernest is a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. We're an act. I mean, and it's it's the importance of being earnest. I think is is like a brilliant play, and it mm-hmm. it it is It is the play without which we could not have the genre of film romantic comedy or yeah. really any i mean t v romantic comedy this you know this is like Oscar Wilde saw uh. When Harry met Sally, you know he saw, you know whatever all these all these things. Like in his mind, he must have when he wrote Ernest. And Act One sets up the rules of the world, which is that these men dress up as uh, these men pretend to be other men, so that they can go out and have uh, have sort of amorous adventures. One in the country and one in the city. And uh, right, it's it's interesting that it's called Mm Bunburying. Uh, right that, right that. Uh, Altron, right. you know, says uh, I go bunburying. I visit my. Uh, I've made up this invalid uncle Bunbury, right. who's perpetually right. sick, and you know. So this is like it's actually probably a coded reference to homosexuality. And oh, the, that's the, an interesting point. Yeah, the dual lives that closeted uh, gay people had to live at that time. Uh, I don't on, know
0: why Oscar Wilde would have been writing about yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh. why on
1: earth was that guy interested in the gays? Uh, the second <laughs> is that um, within the rules of this universe, the problem is set up so that both both men, mm-hmm. the two leads, right, end up – uh, winning the affections uh, of a woman under false pretenses, and in the third mm. thing, the whole the whole thing goes straight to hell, and is resolved by a by a deus ex machina sort sort of by a, a you know not actually a deus, but a um, a uh, d- uh, the discovery of a three volume novel actually right. is what <laughs> right. you know, sets right. sets the whole thing right. But okay, so like so far fetched situations, incomplete in- mm. information. Uh, and, um, and this kind of, this slippage of identities, I, you know, right. and, 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 and slippage, the idea of slippage, the idea that things aren't stable in this world, yes. right? Yes. And that's, yes. and that's what I, that's the point I was trying to make.
0: I think that's a great point. And I uh let's let's return to this, you know, maybe to, to in the wrap up, because I actually think that this past week's episode, the Thanksgiving episode of Gossip Girl actually had elements of this as well. Um and in yeah, the kind of that was uh, right in the kind you know, everyone sort of like right so this setup and we we'll get into it, but I really think we really
1: can't talk about glee, can we? We just cannot bring uh, ourselves to, back focus to gossip girl. No, what
0: I'm trying to do is, is 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 create synergy. So what one thing I want to bracket is is to return to the what you the ways in which what you um, you know described about about farces um, uh, was also present in this past week's episode. So if you're of if you're A if you're playing and, then, the home game,
1: if you're playing these fucking teenagers, the home game, we have three things bracketed. One is intertextuality. Two is uh, ethics. And three is. Um, uh, farcical situations, in, in and, and,
0: and when this comes together, it is going to be popping. I mean, you're, you're not going you're not, you're not to believe it. But so, so you know, so my my discipline. I, I think that what you uh, identified as um, as as being the key elements of, of the farce in Glee, um, and those being part of the rules of the universe. You know, I think that one of the things I've identified in these past two episodes. Um, is is that there is a kind of is is a revelation of the kind of psychological uh world that uh the glee is is sort of using as a starting premises um, and that is one in which uh people sort of are do not Always exercise complete sort of Rationality or, or sort of Complete um, sort of uh, You know means And they may make means and Calculations but they're inconsistent In their uh, desires right so that um, This is a, a, a realm Known as behavioral economics uh, That is basically the fusion of uh, Economics and, and social psychology That sort of argues that The assumption that people always Have a well defined consistent uh, Sort of well ordered set of preferences that they're maximizing is just not borne out by evidence and that people sort of you know change their minds over time or if their if their decisions are framed sort of contextually they'll prefer very different things even though the the choices are actually the same right so um and i think that uh has been a lot in the last uh Two episodes that 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 uh, provide evidence of this i mean is that is that is that clear should i should I suss out a little more uh where where
1: i'm going with this or well that's i think it i think it'll become clear i th- we, we should launch into it
0: um well, so I think that i mean i think uh, i i mean I had thought of this <clears throat> excuse me before um um, before before getting into uh, before seeing this most recent episode of Glee, uh, but I think there 's actually a good example right so one one set of uh, phenomena within uh, uh, um, behavioral economics is is a whole class of what 's called framing effects um, and the the sort of biggest ideas of these are things like prospect theory and uh, loss aversion uh, for which uh, were discoveries by uh, Versky and Kahneman, who are a economist, an economist and economist and psychologist, I believe at Princeton, um, they won a Nobel Prize a few years ago for for these this work that basically shows that if you sort of frame an economic decision as sort of losing something that you already have versus gaining something that you don 't have, people are actually more loss averse even though the the sort of monetary amount is different right and so that this this flies in the face of the idea that you know that that shouldn 't matter that people just Prefer
1: what they prefer, Um, and you see that or that equivalent right equivalent losses equivalent gains or losses should be equivalently valuable, right?
0: Exactly, exactly, or or should Um, be
1: equivalently sought after. This is the same thing that like you'll you'll drive across town to save you know five bucks on a package of of pens or something, but not to save five bucks on a car, Uh, right? Because- yes,
0: something – yes, yes. Um, and so, so I think that – and this is used – I mean this insight is I think major in, in marketing um, and it's also been you know, put forth in certain kinds of policy circles. Like there's a kind of uh, pop sociology book called uh, Nudge by – I think it's Richard Thaler and uh, Cass Sunstein who are at the um, University of Chicago. Uh, this, it, they basically say that you could use this principle in sort of framing certain, uh, uh, certain policy choices. So it's an idea that rather than telling people they have to have health care, you sort of frame the, the choice of health care in a way that they're going to do what you want oh, them you know to do. What,
1: you know what we should talk about one day that that? that has nothing to do with this, but I, I bring it up just to because I'm subversive and you're the leader today. Um, I know. You freaking subaltern. <laughs>
0: I'm going to uh, get you. <laughs> we,
1: should, we should talk about the disappearance of the middle brow. Uh, in, in American culture Because you're talking about like a pop sociology book There's mm-hmm. a sense that like Malcolm Gladwell Inaugurated this great uh, This great sweep Of uh, popular Intellectual books
0: yeah. Right. And I, yeah, and yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm you know when we write our our book called These Fucking Teenagers, uh, <laughs> we will be we're, and the one called Overthinking It. I mean, I have in the back of my mind, you know, it's not book one, but like you know, books you know four through seven are pop
1: psych books <laughs> uh, based on the work that we're doing right now. Well, but go on, I mean, look, I think I think Gossip Girl Implications for Public Policy is you know is chapter two or three in. Yeah, in, definitely. Uh, the, these fucking teenagers' books. Definitely, um, definitely. But, okay, uh, right? There used to be this whole idea of kind of like middle-class intellectual self-improvement, right? That involved mm-hmm. reading academic books. But the academic books, I think, in that sense were, were written for a popular audience but were more aspirational and were <laughs> what, what got called middle-brow. Right. Uh, What's a uh, good example? What are uh, like? What are some good examples of oh, like, uh, like that? Oh, like John Updike. You know, huh. right? He's not Philip Roth or Saul Bellow. You know, he's not like a really sort of literary fiction. Uh, like one of the gods, you know, and he's not crash, or like, trash. Or, like not... a, or like a Cormac McCarthy, but I feel like Cormac, McCarthy's no, Cormac gone McCarthy. has Cormac McCarthy is a serious literary novel, but he's but he's gone towards the middle brow, has, right? Well,
0: it has gone. I mean, towards... the road, the road was a uh, Oprah Book Club. Well, this, uh, is, this okay. is a
1: thing, right? Because he goes towards genre fiction, and <laughs> genre interacts with this, uh, with this discussion, I think, in a lot of interesting ways, because genre fiction is ghettoized. Uh, as though it were all kind of mass market paperback sci-fi or romance or western. As though all westerns were Louis L'Amour, and and right. I'm sorry right. Cormac McCarthy right. just isn't. And actually, right. no one no one has done more for the reputation of Cormac McCarthy than Harold Bloom, who was my teacher uh, in college and um, and a you know a great figure of, of <laughs> a great figure of farce actually when we were uh, when we were in college. I mean his reading. Uh, Harold Bloom's reading of Blood Meridian Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. what I think really brought Cormac McCarthy to, to that staff. Well, right. He read
0: it. He, he read it in like a sort of
1: Melvillian light, right? In, in the, a Melvillian uh, light and in a Miltonic light. I mean, he right. he saw a lot of a lot of influence of really you know really really great writers. But so I you know it seems like the idea now is what Malcolm Gladwell does is you bring the intellectual stuff down, you bring the research down to the right. level of the people rather than trying to elevate the people to the level of the research. And so this this kind of category of the middle brow as a as kind of an aspirational category. Of something that's just within reach, that's just a little bit of a stretch, you right. know, is uh, seems to be disappearing. But I digress. See, but that's
0: interesting because then there's another. I think, like, let's again bracket this in the in the in the macro bracket. Let's macro bracket this one. Um, uh, but I just want to point out that I think there's another level, you know, another dimension of browedness um, of the sort of you know the kind of content right? of like kind of you know the of the kind of vulgarity to kind of Gentility dimension of like Highbrow and lowbrow right of the, the fact of like I think that we're Like you know I think this The the endeavor of both this website and this and this particular podcast Is kind of hopefully aiming at the Kind of middle you know point Of both of these quadrants right of That we are you know trying to You know do this thing as kind of intellectually Middlebrow um, and we're Also like you know kind of You know we're, we're talking seriously about You know concepts but we're also saying like uh, fuck a lot, um,
1: right? <laughs> and well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting split because what we're doing. Like half of what we're doing would not be out of place in a university cultural studies department or right, a sociology right. department, and the other half of what we're doing is like throwing poop against the wall,
0: you know. I, have, I mean, have you ever been in a cultural studies department? <laughs> 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 I, I, I don't,
1: I don't, I fail to see the distinction.
0: <laughs> um, but anyhow, um, <laughs> <laughs> as could...
1: irrationality, and behavioral economics. Right. So, regulation.
0: so what I was saying about framing. framing right. Um, so that that uh, in in the most recent episode. A really good example of this is how you know n- no one in the Glee Club wanted to be in the Glee Club pl- club picture, but um, once they were uh, given the opportunity to be in a commercial, um, which like theoretically should expose them—I guess it can't be defaced—but should expose them
1: to the same amount of ridicule. Um, it's the same or an even higher level of public exposure. Right,
0: right, exactly. That they they are excited about it, and it's 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 totally uh, inconsistent, but it's in a way that is is extremely realistic. Um and the, that sort of fits with, you know, like a lot of these insights of of the research. And I think it's just um so that's I think one great example. And I think another good example is, you know, Will Schuster's kind of mediocre artistic direction of the uh um of the club. And that he sort of, you know, throughout the first leg of the season, he's kind of not had a consistent vision. Like every, you know, every episode he has a different idea for what the glee club's going to be doing. Right. You know, like oh, they're singing uh, show tunes, or they're singing... Oh, we need a know, show a tune. Um, yeah, or herography. herography. We need herography. Right, I mean, I think the herography episode was a great uh, example of this, is that he, you know, invites, basically he is, like, very uh, able to kind of Um, you know, rather than having like a goal, it's like, all right, we want to prepare for sectionals. Here's how we're going to do this. Um, then once he sort of, uh, you know, sees the, the, uh, uh, Eve's, uh, delinquent girls school and the, the school for the deaf, every time he changes, right. Uh, that, uh, he, he basically, we need, we
1: need sign language, you know, we need need colors. We need sincerity. Right,
0: right, right. right. And I think that, um, and and I think that that's actually interesting. That like at the end of that episode, I, it made me gave new light to the idea of the the Glee Club being called New Directions, right? And that it's like he takes them in a new direction every week, right? Right. Exactly. And he exactly. is and, the he plural, is, and the plural is very important, right? And 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 I think that this is like really, relates really well to a phenomenon that's known as uh, as as time inconsistency uh, or time inconsistent preferences. That you know, again, within the the sort of Rational choice theory—that the that sort of premises of a lot of classical economics—you um, should at you know what you want at time A should be consistent with what you want at time B. I mean, you might be discounting the future; you might value uh, the uh, you know the 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 future more than you value a week from now, but you shouldn't value like a week from now a lot a lot a lot more than two weeks from now, right? And this is an idea that's called hyperbolic discounting—that sure. things that are further away drop off in value. And I think that you see these kinds of time inconsistent preferences in Will's actions and I think, and throughout the world of Glee um, and I feel like that is um a more parsimonious way of explaining a lot of these kinds of inconsistencies that the Blinky was attributed to lazy writing, right? And I think that it's it, you see like, you know, we argued that, you know, we sort of just to be contrarian, but because I think we believed in it, um, argued that no, this is part of the universe. But I think now thinking about this through the lens of behavioral economics have a way of saying, no, this is part of what this universe is. And this show is about, you know, um and and the and I think as you put your finger on really well the the kind of intuitions the behavioral intuitions of of behavioral economics fit very well with the form of the um of 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 the of the farce
1: yeah i, so, I mean i think that's, um, I think that's great that's, i think that rather rather than saying it's a defect in the writing to say that this is this is a show about irrationality yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that you know, and 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 I think uh, will be interested... I mean, the nice thing about this is it's that's a hypothesis, and it it, it will be borne out uh, or not, whether you know, as as the show goes on. Um, and and I think that you know, so. I think that this is is important in other ways, and this is something i 've been thinking about in some of my own kind of um, you know professional work and my other kind of overthinking it related uh, writing and 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 back channel thinking is that there's you know that this is not just a um, you know a Behavioral, right? This is not just a positive world, right? So we've been talking a lot uh, in, in our kind of social analysis, uh, our sociological analysis of, of Glee and Gossip Girl. We've been in primarily sort of positive analysis, right? In, uh, in, in, in thinking about the sort of empirics of the situation and, and how that's explained by certain kinds of theories. But I think that there's also a sort of moral di- dimension, right? And that these kinds of um, you know this kind of behavioral psychology and the way that people pursue goals. Uh, uh also has sort of ethical implications, right? The, the, and says things um, about the kind of moral systems of, of the of the world of the universes they inhabit, it, whether it's the one in Glee uh, or or in in Gossip Girl. Um, I mean, so what do you, uh, you know, Matt? What's your take on the kind of, you know, if to kind of move from these kind of psychological basis of the world to the kind of what this says about the moral spaces? Um, what what is your take on that?
1: Well, this is, I mean, this is w- what I put in in the wave as like this being the the main thing that I wanted to talk about, about both both Glee and, and Gossip Girl, that we you know, you don't
0: have to. You know, wh- if, when I do a pretty good transition, you don't have to peel back the flesh to uh, expose. The skin
1: <laughs> sorry. Sometimes,
0: sometimes you can just go with it and, ma- and we'll make th- it t-
1: okay. Sorry, I'm, so- I'm sorry. <laughs> give me give me the last couple words of the transition again, and I'll come I'll come right in better. I,
0: I already forgot. I, I'm <laughs> it's I'm too it's too far gone. It was it's, it's out of it's out of my mouth and it's done. Like I'm, the, the, I'm an irrational flawed human being. Well, what we um, do
1: is like the. It's it's less like film and more like theater because it's ephemeral and once it's done it's done. Um, well, my point was that we we seem to be living in a we seem to be living in a consequentialist uh, ethical universe in both Gossip Girl and Glee. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, well, uh, d- my point was was more that things that seem to be repugnant to an, a more absolutist uh, kind of ethics, uh, w- like underage drinking or sex with your teachers. You know, right that like think back to Glee, think back to the the Rachel has a has a crush on on Mr. Schuster episode. And it's um, right. It's it's not a bad idea because it's absolutely wrong. It's a bad idea because those things never end well.
0: Well, well, right. I mean, there's an interesting thing in that episode. I mean, and we've talked about this, I guess, a little bit. Um, Is that like, w- right. So from Will's perspective, like, he he likes it. He likes the fact that th- the, his students are into him, right? He is vain, um, and 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 has a certain. But like, that's
1: like having you know having been a high school teacher and having seen like having seen a lot of high school teachers from the you know old and crusty to the kind of the young and and vain. And i you know let's, let's uh, which which one do you fall into? <laughs> let's let's generously uh, pass over the question of, you, of where is I, this te-
0: is this teleological? You go from being young and vain to being old and. Crusty?
1: <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah that's um like I think part of what teachers like about teaching a- actually let's abstract it out from from just high school it's you know you have you have a, a bunch of uh, I don't
0: know what you're talking about
1: <laughs> yes being a college teacher right being a university teacher a actually you're not even a college teacher I'm a, I'm a, a, I'm a trade school teacher <laughs> that's funny B- business school a, for business school for bureaucrats um. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a trade school student right <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, it's like it's like business School, but but oh, you're a
0: tradesman. You're a tradesman. Um, yeah. You're you're an, you're apprenticing, really almost. Yeah, um, well, I'm
1: not even an apprentice. I'm a journeyman. Uh, you're a journeyman, yeah, <laughs> tradesman at this point. But um, I mean, twenty years into my career, I fucking hope I'm a journeyman tradesman. But anyway, um, right, that that one of the things that teachers like about teaching is the is the kind of the, that it's it really jazzes you to get that kind of if if not admiration that kind of that kind of regard and that kind of exalted social. Standing, you know, that within like within the, the, the four walls of that classroom for those, you know, two hours a week or whatever, there is no person higher. Uh, higher than you now it's it's particularly complicated if you're a high school teacher because everything a high school student does i mean teenagers are are really the wretched of god's earth i think and i you know i realize i'm alienating our core audience by saying this but you know we're no no, no but we say this having been high school students right exactly well, it, and, the, I mean, many, and in many ways in place, you know uh, not having uh, advanced far beyond being high school students right, you know uh, right we, because you when you're a teenager you are we say s- this em- we say this empathetically. Exactly. Uh, Rather than than resonant. Yeah, oh, I have such I have such empathy for because you are so horny and you smell so bad, you know. And the combination of those two things together is a uh, is just a recipe for disaster. Fortunately, teenage <laughs> girls don't seem to mind this much, and so you know. So I, you know, it's
0: all about the pheromones, right? Yeah. Uh, I still um,
1: got I still got under the sweater over the bra in uh, you know one or two times in my high school career. Hey,
0: right. that's that's success, you know. I'm for proud, um, I'm proud of it, that. You, you, you gotta you you, you pro your scorecard. You handicap based on you know where you are in the social ladder, right? I, you know, and so um, you know if you were a football player, you'd be definitely on the lower end of the distribution there, well, I suppose. Uh, um, but, yeah, but as a uh,
1: right, yeah, exactly. As a as a like Alan Ginsberg reading, you know, all <laughs> black, wearing you know long hair, sporting. Uh, theater nerd like I was. Um, oh,
0: I don't know if Ginsburg would have been happy with you just getting uh, U.S. I actually, U.S.O.P. Oh. I, I think Ginsburg would not have been okay uh, with U.S.O.P. Funny um,
1: story about Allen Ginsburg. I met him at a book <laughs> signing, and he signed uh, he signed some copies of of his work that I own. And uh, so he asked me how old I was, and I was fifteen at the time. And it's like I'm fifteen, Mister Ginsburg. And he said, "Oh, I like fifteen year old boys." <laughs> 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 and that's. How I met Alan Ginsberg. <laughs> well, that one just came full circle in a nice way, right? So, <laughs> um, anyway, well, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so because I think, my, I, think about, I think you're right. Your point about, about teachers, teachers are white. That, yeah,
0: sure, the, but Will Will really toes the line here, right? I think it's,
1: Will's it's, a kind it's impossible of- not to if you're gonna if you're gonna admit. And a lot of teachers deal with a lot of high school teachers, and this is why I brought this up. A lot of high school teachers deal with it by denial, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing just doesn't go on. And I that's bullshit, right? There is a normal erotic dynamic in teaching uh, for which see you know the letters of Eloise and Abelard, or you know, or any any number of things. Now, you know, there are people who have like bad. Bad sense of boundaries and are going to like you know end up uh, end up abusing children and that you know that's a crime and has to be punished and dealt with and you know excluded because he can't. I you
0: said not that that's a crime and not that it's wrong. Uh, I just want to since we're talking about, <laughs> since, we're talking about <laughs> since we're
1: talking about since we're talking about since we're talking about ethics. I don't know yeah. is it is it stronger to be wrong or is it stronger to be a crime? I was thinking of the aspect of of punishment well, and yeah. regulation uh, right. rather than the aspect of moral uh, of kind of moral right or wrong because it's well right
0: but that's but that's that's the the choice in words i was pointing out is that you didn't say and that's wrong you just said that it's illegal you know the state has decided that it is wrong and that you were just leaving open the door about whether or not it is it is wrong i think and i mean i think that what what you know so so just to back it out a little bit right you mentioned consequentialism right and
1: and, and, (laughs) just to back this out of the you know discussion of child molestation
0: no no we're still we're still on it. Um don't, okay, don't worry. <laughs> we're just that's what she said. Um, no no I think that we're I think the point I'm I'm driving towards here is that that so whether you think that a moral the morality of an action is uh, decided by that Outcome, right? Which is like a sort of consequentialist uh, view of ethics—is that that the sort of end result is how you judge the morality of a a given action, uh, or or whether you're coming from a a deontological standpoint? uh, And to break that down, uh, you know, the best way I've I've seen of thinking about uh, deontological ethics is to say that it's about the act itself, right? It is about the uh, the intention of the act, right? Um, Or or whether it is about or whether your code of ethics is a is a virtue ethics that is about you know what your act says about the kind of person you are, and any three of those modes of of
1: ethics child molestation is wrong right um like how, uh, in, an, uh, right, in, in any of them right because right, it right. Uh, it it comes from a bad actor it is itself an act that is bad and it has consequences that are terrible so right, it's right. you know right but i think the point well, i the guess p- i don't know I, I mean from the point of view of of uh a, what is it called ethical eth- ethical egoism yes right is that it could you say that from the point of view of ethical egoism child molestation is wrong because the the child molester uh it's a good outcome for the child molester
0: um yes but it's i mean i guess i mean this gets into tricky questions about like Agency in the, like right so in in this kind of situation. Well, right? I guess
1: right. I guess, I right, guess So if you were to say fact, it, de- it, depends how how much you're going to bracket in that, disgu- that right, discussion. Right, right.
0: And I think that I mean because there's another issue, especially in a teacher-child relationship. Right. I mean, part of the the maybe the flip side of the kind of sexual tension is is a very strong like hierarchical uh, authority relationship. Well, right? this is and this and is that's, what gets and blurred that's
1: part of it. This is what gets blurred in Gossip Girl and not blurred in Glee. Right, you're talking. You're talking
0: about the, the the teacher sex plot line in in Gossip
1: Girl. Or... Yeah, last year's last year's Gossip Girl when Dan ends up stooping the the young teacher, the young kind of right out of school teacher, right, right, who right. realizes that she actually can't swim with the sharks like like Blair, which is right. I mean, which is very interesting because in that's a situation where social roles disappear and all that's left is biology, and you have these people who, in the grand scheme of things, are not that far apart in age, but. Uh, mm-hmm. In in Glee, the social roles don't disappear, and part, you know part of the uh, erotic uh, frisson, if you will, of uh, of what uh, gets shoe off about being so admired is um, is is the social roles, and right. so the, the social roles actually are constitutive of the uh, the turn on. In a a way, not to, not to put it in such, in such kinky language. I think we're, we're actually pushing it a little, a little farther than Glee does because God knows Gossip Girl goes as, as with everything, Gossip Girl goes farther with it than, uh, than Glee does. But my larger point was that these things, these things are not condemned as being wrong in an absolute sense. They're condemned as being wrong because they never end well, right? Because they have bad, uh, they have bad consequences, uh, really bad consequences for the actor you know right. like consider the right, um right the, right the girl...
0: they're definitely not utilitarianism which no has no no not the, at all the consequences for the society yeah. right
1: well no. th- think <clears throat> of um think of the the uh the girl who used to have a crush braces girl who used to i forget her name who used to have uh, uh, see pepper yes who used to have a crush on a uh, pepper right the uh, hot pepper uh, mm. who used to have a and ends up you know um confronting Rachel you know he's mine he's mine uh the shoe is mine, but um She's not, it's never like Oh god, look what it did to this Poor girl, Mm. right? It's that Look, I have to deal with this Mm -hmm. With the annoyance of having this girl Around all the time, Mm -hmm. you know Not that it ruined her
0: Also, Also, like, it's like a real bummer It's like a real bummer to me to think that I did this to her Right? No, it's totally this ego uh, This egoism Um, But alright, so I have a test case here Right? So from last night's episode of Glee um, When uh, Sort of after Will had has discovered Terry's fake pregnancy. Um, it, he he goes and is talking to to the guidance counselor to Emma, um, and and sort of they're and they're they're discussing the morality of this action. And I think you know what Will wants in this case is for her to say yes. She was awful. Come and marry me. Come come lose yourself in my beautiful doe eyes. You know, like um and, and,
1: my, and yeah and my and my high squeaky voice and my luminous red hair.
0: Right yes and my milky white skin um flecked with freckles
1: like the I don't know um oh, yeah. and my you know my light pastel color palette of wardrobe <laughs> Yeah <laughs> you know yeah exactly saying. exactly you know, I'll let you get USOB
0: yeah, yeah, under yeah under the that's uh, that's a that's a special case. That's uh, under the
1: cardigan over the uh, over the bra. Um, but uh, that's not much of an accomplishment, though, because the cardigan open, opens in the middle, well, well, so all you have to do is like stick your hand in, and you're uh, you're under the cardigan. It's not like it's not like normal, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade making out where you actually have to like reach down to the girl's waistband and you know snake your hand up the uh, <laughs> you know snake your hand up under the shirt. I mean, to, yeah, that is a real
0: the, con- Sequentialist way of looking at it but, uh. <laughs> but anyhow so, so this that, that that scene uh, is interesting because um, there 's a line where where um, i think also so I think will is also still coming from a condemning this from a a sort of consequentialist egoism perspective saying, you know, basically how could she do this to me? How could she do this to us? Um and saying that, you know, her action was wrong. Um but then Jamie May says, well her methods wrong, we're wrong, but I totally understand her intentions. Um and Right. I mean so this is like really interesting, right? So but I I you know I don't I don't actually think that like so so is that? Do you think that that is uh, is a kind of counter, a a, a sort of. Deontological a sort of Kantian counter argument, or or do you think that actually it is um, consistent with the uh, unpack that uh,
1: question? Uh, Un- unpack that question a little bit, because I suspect that that there's a lot encoded in that.
0: Okay, so so I guess the question is that you know as I was sort of saying before, as I was uh, drawing the distinction between these codes of ethics, that intent doesn't really matter um, in 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 these types of consequentialist, these kind of outcome-driven uh, systems of ethics that we've been talking about um so then what is you know does the fact that that you know uh that 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 emma going back to terry's intentions is that is that putting forth an alternative ethical view or is it uh or do you think uh there's there's something else going on that is ultimately uh still consequentialist at
1: heart and and explain what you meant by kantian
0: Oh, well, so, I mean, it's only that, um, well, I mean, this, this isn't a podcast about Kant, um, but,
1: uh,
0: (laughs) well, it was just only that, um, um, Kant's, uh, Uh, I'm I'm pretty rusty on my Kant actually, Um, but uh, the the Kant is one one of the major you know so a lot of I use them interchangeably in that um, the the philosophy of uh, of uh, you know German philosopher Immanuel Kant uh, was one of the uh, earlier and kind of definitive um, sort of intention based moral philosophies Um, and I won't really I mean it's 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 pretty heavy stuff so I don't think we need to get into it too much more than that but you know that was the that was what that name name dropper was uh, was all about. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then, so now, are you ready to stop stalling and answer my question, or should well, I? No,
1: I, I mean, or should... should
0: I answer my question because I, I know the I actually ha- came up with an answer. Oh, well, I... then
1: you answer your own fucking no, question. No, like, this is a dialogue. You, you know, I mean, not, is the, this, is this is not is the, a monologue. You're saying I'm, I'm, is Jim alternative position a serious challenge to the to the ethical egoism, which is the particular flavor of uh, of consequentialism that that uh, Glee and yes. also Gossip Girl. Yes, uh, and,
0: uh, and I want to support. know. Uh, and I want to know what you think about that. Yeah,
1: Matt. no, it's not right. It's, the, the, and why? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
0: I think so, talking is a new way to be, be a pedantic douche. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> it's not I, because I think that the narrative. Um, I think that the narrative is going to bear out Will and not going to bear out Jamea Mays. Uh, wait, say that, say that again. I, I, I lost think superstars. the story, as the story unfolds, mm-hmm. it's going to bear out uh, Will's point of view, and it's not going to bear out Jemma May's point of view. That's interesting. Well, uh,
0: I, I, I think I, I, I'm going to take a different...
1: I think, I mean, or actually, uh, can we understand her statement in a different way? Like, can, that, Yes, um, I yeah, mean, that's that is, the way I was going to go. That is to yeah. say, oh, sorry, well, it took me a second to come around go f- to it. Right. Can we understand the objection that James Mays raises being, you know, look, your wife was just trying to bring about a, a different set of outcomes. Exactly. You know, uh-huh. that uh-huh. she was mm-hmm. trying to bring out, you know, if, if the outcome is happy family, right, mm-hmm. she was trying mm-hmm. to, to bring about happy yep. family with yep. you, her, yep. and a baby. Now the origins of those those elements uh she was saying are less important than uh okay. than the outcome yeah um,
0: right so that she's like she's disputing her tactics rather than the strategy and the and the the sort of the still kind of means and calculation well, that, yeah, that um, is and, is and she thinks it's that
1: it's a con- she's she's saying it's still a consequentialist play right yeah, for right yeah and it's actually it 's again it 's an ethical egoist play right where right it's, right uh, right you know, right because you-
0: what she what she did was wrong because uh it, 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 it would have been it, it's, it it was like sort of too risky uh, because, uh if the ultimate aim is preserving a happy family and keeping will, the probability of detection, even if she thought it was small. Like, you know, what would happen would be so catastrophic that it would annul the ultimate goal that she wants. And so that it was a, it was a mistake from that. It was a mistake from that perspective and thus wrong. Um, and actually, the fact that she, like, made that, you know, mistake also fits in with these kinds of, you know, a perfectly rational actor would have worked out the probability, you know, what, what the, d- the possible states of the world were, what the probabilities of each of those were, and then acted accordingly and probably wouldn't have faked the pre- pregnancy.
1: Um, right. right? right, right so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, but I think that. So I think but this is. I, think, I mean, but this is again. This is why Glee is about ira- I mean, the choice yeah. to make. Um, uh, the choice to, to fake the pregnancy is about irrationality, right? It's about, you know, uh, well, it's about kind of time constrained decision making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know that is mm-hmm. that is like I have half an hour until Will comes home. I have to decide what to do yes. about the hysterical yes. pregnancy. Yes. You know, yes. and once I, uh, once I commit, I'm in. Know, I suppose, if but, then, but then you don't necessarily want it
0: anymore. Like what the thing that you, seemed like a good idea at that time is not a good idea. You know, it, it, like the, the good the goodness of the idea changes, um, kind of situationally, um, and so and then you have to people have to reconcile. And this
1: is and like look, I I actually consider this like a storytelling flaw in a lot of soap opera, right? Because it, it condescends to us and it condescends to the characters. Uh, not in Glee. I think Glee is not bound by the rules of our universe, but, but maybe more in Gossip Girl, right? When when someone gets pissy with someone else because, like, they did something bad, like, how could you disrespect me like yes. that? I, I, I don't buy uh, that the character doesn't actually see the larger picture like a lot of the party episodes like how could you go with her and not with me or how could it come about yeah right like i don't buy that the characters fail to see the um uh, uh the the larger picture the larger structure of decisions and constraints that that led to this outcome and and this like this extreme uh these blinders these kind of time constraints and kind of situation constraints that get uh artificially imposed in order to create immediate conflict, I think that that is, I think, lazy writing. Like, I think that that's like... Well, I won't even say lazy writing. I think that's cheap writing. That's... that's and... and-
0: yeah. And I in, think that is gossip, I mean, that's actually, something in, that's in some gossip Girl we more have than criticized. I mean, early on in this podcast, I think um, you know, when Gossip Girl is not good, I think that what well, you just put your finger on kind of, you know, the reason why. Right. Right. Um and, and that is and that I think is very consistent with the um uh the sort of soap opera uh form. Whereas I think Glee, you know, plays with that form. And they basically infuse kind of a teen soap opera with the elements of of farce, um, and and really bring out these these kind of you know the cognitive uh, assumptions of of sort of behavioral economics to create something that's really compelling. Okay, um,
1: I think we can. I think we can bracket because we want to talk about ethics. I think this is a huge topic. I, yeah. I think it's only going to continue. And yeah. next week, oh, exactly. Next week's Glee is going to be. Um, Next week's glee is going to be one of the last. Uh, going uh, to, or is actually going to be the last until after American Idol. Right the because because
0: they're, they're, they they well, they weren't sure how lo- how many episodes they were going to get picked up for, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and they got
1: I mean, Glee has been a smash hit for Fox. And the the creator and sort of showrunner of Glee has signed a seven-figure multi-year overall deal with Fox. Overall deals uh, or something in television where it's where Fox the studio is essentially uh, saying, and Fox the studio is distinct from Fox the network. Though actually, these days networks, it used to be that networks could not put on shows that their own studios huh. produced; that that kind of vertical integration was prohibited. But in this like large, this larger sweep of telecom deregulation, that's a. Um, uh, that regulation got uh, thrown out the window, and so now you actually see studios reluctant to put on anyone else 's product but right. their but their own because they want not only uh, because the TV business has become less about just broadcast and more about all the ancillary markets like uh, online DVD uh, different kinds of syndication and things like this, and the larger corporate parent wants to control all those profits end to end rather than uh, rather than just. Um, just being the studio or just being the network and selling either the show or the advertising. Anyway, uh, I digress. So, um, in around the writer's strike and around the time of the economic... Uh, uh, the economic kerfuffle, the recent economic kerfuffle, um, studios stopped giving overall deals, which is a deal between a studio and a producer saying essentially to the producer, Hey, this is your home studio. This is where your ideas will get seen and heard. Mm-hmm. You have a fast track to get shows through the system. And and it, you know, if we like them uh, ordered to pilot and then ordered to series uh, on wow. the air and, and, Uh, In return for this, uh, in return for only shopping your ideas to us, we'll pay you X number of dollars over the course of a year. We'll give you an office on the studio. We'll give you a small staff, you know, and you can put Fox on your business card. You know? Wow. So, who was
0: the the last kind of showrunner who who got that kind oh, of overall? Oh, there were. I mean, deal? God I knows. Mean, like, were... But 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 you said that like in the last like year to like two years, it's been less common. So, yeah, well, like, they, I mean, and
1: not not only has it been less common, but they canceled they canceled a lot of them. Really, during who
0: are the, were the big ones to get canceled? Like like a, like a JJ Abrams kind of like? Well, did JJ? Yeah, I, mean, I don't
1: I don't know about JJ having an overall deal, but he's now. I mean, I think he's now into features. You know, okay. I think I think he's he's kind of too hot a commodity, and he's more a, a producer. I think of a of a deal like uh, the relationship between John Wells and NBC, right? John Wells. I don't know the, who's John Wells. John Wells was uh, is a uh, th- th- sort of well known showrunner. If you follow the television business, he was he was involved in ER. Uh, okay. He was involved involved in The West Wing, and he actually took over as showrunner of The West Wing when uh, Aaron Sorkin. Um, uh, uh, kind of bowed out after four seasons, and he was the the um, the showrunner of this show called Southland. Uh, and actually, Southland is an interesting case, right? Because it was this uh, it was this drama that you know. Five years ago, they would have picked it up for a second year because it was John Wells and they want a relationship with this guy. Right, right, right. You know, and even if it's not as big a money earner, though, I mean, NBC, everything, NBC is just fucked. But, um, uh, I mean, Jay Leno at 10 p.m., that turned out to be a bad gamble. Conan yeah. O'Brien as a late night host turned out to be a bad gamble. I mean, at least in the short term, who knows? I actually yeah. like Conan a lot. Trouble is, he's up against Letterman.
0: After After Thirty Rock, I turn off. uh, I turn. I turn the TV off on principle because I think the Leno thing was such a terrible idea.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah, even Thirty Rock. Well, Thirty Rock. They're in an interesting Arrested Development situation because that show doesn't do the numbers of a show like. uh, uh, what's it called? Two and a Half Men, or even like you know, what's you know, what's becoming a hit is uh, Big Bang Theory, which is which is really, really? interesting.
0: Yeah. I don't know anything about Big Bang Theory. Yeah,
1: well, you know, it's it's uh, it's picking up and picking up. It's actually it's it's winning its time slot, I guess, uh, or something like that. Anyway, um, so uh, right, I think that this like putting Southland off the air, uh, even though it's a John Wells show, right, is a is a kind of a sign of the new world order. Anyway, so I I say this to. Um, I I say this to highlight how extraordinary it is that the showrunner of Glee or the creator of Glee has has, uh, inked, as the trades say, uh, a seven-figure, multi-year overall deal, uh, where he'll not only um, be running Glee, but also be able to develop other projects through the Fox Studio and presumably onto the Fox Network or FX or you know well, one of well, the other. Well,
0: because he's also the creator of Nip Tuck, which is also on uh, on FX, right? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That this. So like this guy, this guy now is like finding a home at Fox the way John Wells found one at, at NBC. Anyway, but it was not clear because this show is a big gamble, you know. Yeah. Well um, So they picked it up – I mean, they they picked up the rest of the season, but they can't – you know, you can't displace American Idol because that is what – that's where Fox, you know, makes its fucking lunch money, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So – Oh, my point was I, my point was, I so, think the ethics conversation has to continue. I want to talk very quickly about intertextuality. And there were two, there were two things. One is that Eleanor Waldorf's uh, in Gossip Girl. One is that Eleanor Waldorf's estate attorney, uh, the, why they're drawing up new wills, is uh, named Lionel Tribby. And that was the John Larroquette character on The West Wing. Um, right who was who had been in lucrative private practice in I think chicago yeah, uh, yeah that 's right and, and then, now
0: you think he so, so the implication is that he landed in new york yeah, after, after
1: right after his uh his stint in the Bartlett White House he uh, John Lariktte you know gave way to Oliver Platt in the um, in the uh, impeachment uh plot in the the m s th- plot of uh, of the West Wing. And so I think the idea is that that uh, Lionel Tribby played by John Lyricat moved to New York and now does uh does like Wilson Estates um and is Eleanor's uh Eleanor's estate attorney. Then As an
0: aside, as a quick aside, should I watch the West Wing? I've never watched the West Wing. You should watch um, the should first
1: I? you should watch the first 4 seasons of the West Wing.
0: Those are the Sorkin seasons yes. or
1: Yeah, okay. and he wrote every episode. Now, I it that's I, we may I mean you're watching The West Wing. We may have yet a third podcast. I'm overthinking it when you start watching The West Wing with, uh, with you, me, and McNeil. But, one, um, one, one more question.
0: If I, if I want to watch a show, a great show of the sort of past sort of decade or so that I, I never watched, what should I watch first, The uh, West Wing or Sopranos?
1: Uh, Sopranos is, is higher art. Mm-hmm. Um, I think The West Wing will give you more pleasure in the immediate term. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Duly noted. Uh, but continue. Uh, so Lionel Tribbey, that's a good one. And then um, the the other one I wanted to talk about, and we we have to. I have a heart out in like three minutes, so we have to. Right. Is, so is, uh, uh, yeah. Is Jason Derulo's "What You Say," which was uh, which was the underscoring of the Thanksgiving dinner, right? Uh. Yes. You with me? In in Gossip Girl.
0: Yeah, I'm just letting you go. I, I've, I've no, okay. oh, okay. I've no addition or subtract. Okay, that.
1: good, good, good. Uh, so, but yeah, so, I know, I
0: know exactly what song. So, do
1: what you say? Da, 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 da. Yeah, and then, and so then, that's he, all I had to add there. Well, that, <laughs> that what you say is a sample from an Imogen Heap song. Imogen Heap, formerly of Fru-Fru, and then you sort of launched on her her solo career with the record. Um, Oh, God, I forget what the record was called. It wasn't called uh, Hide and Seek, was it? Maybe it was. Uh,
0: I never really got into Imogen Heaps. Well, the song,
1: this single, uh, Hide and Seek, right, um, was kind of the the breakout single from from her first solo record. And uh, it got national attention on Josh Schwartz's um, other show, The O.C., uh, when it was used as underscoring, so here you have a kind of an indie artist whose single gets on um, gets on the o c uh, and then when he does another series, he uses as underscoring a uh, a hip hop song that samples like perhaps the the best four or five bars from uh, from this earlier song I think that's I think that's fascinating And, and it's like It's not
0: an accident right No it's um, not an
1: accident at all And it's like the It's the auteur theory of You know Show running Right The, uh, the auteur theory of uh, Of television writing
0: Yeah no I think that that's One and I think that's why You know I think that um, I mean it would be interesting To think if um, If you know Have you ever watched Nip Tuck Because it would be interesting To go back to Nip Tuck Now that we're kind of You know uh, shoulder deep in in glee and, right. and think of, and think about you know see if there's actually um, I mean there'd be a much more unlikely kind of uh, of intertextuality but it would be very interesting to see if there is and if if you know sort of compare the kind of um, sort of authorship and the kind of you know uh, macro uh, sort of uh, uh, direction of of these two shows because um, these are two of the you know they're, they're both kind of successful right these are you know both big second successes for for these guys I mean did Josh Schwartz have anything before the O.C. or I, was uh, that know. his kind of breakout Yeah, so um, I think that that you know, I mean
1: you know we, these a, shows, we have a lot more to say about ethics especially in gossip. Girl.
0: Yes, yeah, no, and I think that and and I will will say it maybe sooner rather than later. We may even you know I will we'll see. Neither of us are swimming in free time. But if we we, if we can't you know choke back our excitement to talk about ethics and gossip girl, we'll uh, uh, maybe maybe we'll put up another uh, podcast sooner rather
1: than later. Um, Yeah, oh, it won't be another break. We'll get we'll get especially with the with the sectionals episode of Glee. We'll we'll get another one out next week for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm wondering if we 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 should try to get a sort of. Um, i mean i don 't know if we want to make this uh, like a tw- it, 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 so if you have feedback uh, on, 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 this, on this issue so so the the question i 'm going to ask to you our listeners um is is should we, we have you know more than once a week podcasting? I don't think I think twice a week would be tough, but maybe some kind of way that we can because today we we've not yet been successfully able to sort of talk about uh, always cover uh, Glee and Gossip Girl when they both have a lot to say uh, when there's a both like a sort of richness in both episodes, you know. So sometimes there's a off week for one show, and so then we focus on the other one. Um, and and
1: yeah, but we, we have right. I don't I, think we should do that because I I. I, I I think that like we're gonna have to deal with the issue of hiatus and what we do what sure. we do during those times. So sure. I, I think but, that but. building up a backlog of material is not is not a bad thing.
0: Sure, but if you have a, you, the listener, have a different opinion, um, let us know. Let us hear it at podcastatoverthinkingit dot com. Let us know in the show notes. Uh, you know, hit us up on our voicemail at twenty uh, fat jog oh one. That's two zero three two eight five six four oh one. Or you know, at reply us or uh, direct messages. Oh yeah, on,
1: follow us on, on Twitter, Twitter tft podcast.
0: Wow, you just can't even oh, let me. Sorry. Do, you can't even let me do my thing, you know. You, you know. So and, until the next time, you know, we will be here, uh, you know, interrupting each other, um, spouting vulgarities, and and analyzing the uh, the sex lives of of these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers.